Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's John Deere Classic. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, happy Monday. Happy Monday. Pricing comes out. It's always a happy day for me. And we've got a lot of tournaments to talk about. We got one tomorrow that we've already previewed. For the record, I'd love to know what the DFS pricing is for those four guys, but we can talk about that later. Let's get started with the John Deere. Yeah, the match part four is uh, there's a preview already in your feed that's happening on tuesday i believe 5 p.m eastern time is the start time in big sky greg rounds out our group for today greg i was telling you beforehand there is no producer jacob today so if anything goes wrong it is 100 my fault rick you got a lot you got a lot of <laughs> balls in the air right now so i wouldn't blame you completely um but it is understandable there may be some technical glitches or some things along those lines but rick uh, I'm excited to have you uh, produce and host today. So good luck. Thank you very much. I don't have access to the drops either. So nobody say playoffs. Nobody say Ricky Fowler. Nobody say <laughs> mud ball. All those things that would normally trigger a drop. You can, you can say them. Just don't, don't wait. Don't do right. the pause and wait. <laughs> Jacob, did you hear that one? Yeah, that's what we normally do. No one? Anything? <laughs> Uh, no. Uh, and then it comes in like 15 seconds later. I love it. Greg, Greg, your playoffs impression is actually kind of epic. So you can always fill in for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I'll do. I'll be the playoffs guy. Hopefully, we don't need that drop uh, <laughs> this week. Uh, all right, gentlemen. John Deere Classic TPC Deere Run. Let's start with the field seal. Let's get it out of the way. It's not a great field, um, but it is one that is filled with opportunity, not only for. The players who are playing, obviously, licking their chops, trying to earn points, trying to earn money while the top players in the world, most of them have already made the trip across the pond, getting ready for the Open Championship. But it's also an opportunity for us, right? For those who are well-informed, well-researched, that know more than just the top 30 golfers on the tour, this is where we really kind of earn our keep. That's true. I mean, it's it's anybody's game. And for those of us that are even more invested than your casual DraftKings player, for example, um, I'd like to think we have an edge. So, I mean, we're going to that's going to bear out as this week goes and, and as Sunday afternoon transpires. But I'm really looking forward to this. There's never a tournament for me that I'm like, oh, well, you know, this field isn't very good. So I'm just kind of out on this week. Like I never have that feeling. So when I hear it from other people, I'm like, OK, you know, I, I just I just enjoy it differently. I don't know how else to say it. I'm the same way. I've never, I, I feel like I, years ago, I used to be like, ah, oh, man, is it even worth it? Now I'm like, no, no, no. These are the ones that are worth it. The, these are the ones that you should really be diving into and knowing the difference between, oh, I don't know. Who am I going to throw under the bus here? Scott Stallings <laughs> there and, <you> go. <laughs> and somebody else, you know, like that's, that's the good stuff. So it's, it's always a fun one, Greg. Yeah, you got to find something. You, you got to dig a little deeper. You got to find something. I always feel like you can go a little bit more on instinct in these weeks too, yeah. um, which is cool. You have a little bit more freedom to to go with some of these players, and I think it can lead to some really good. It, it can lead to some really good things in your lineup. It can lead to a lot of differentiation. Um, I didn't mess that one up. I don't think so. I, I think there's a lot of positives to draw from a week like this, and it also. Last week, too, it highlighted how good this kind of level of the PGA Tour is. These aren't your guys that are going to be playing in the Genesis or the Memorial. These aren't your guys that are going to be contending in majors weekend and, uh, you know, every single major during the year. But they are extremely talented players. And that'll be on full display this week, which is definitely exciting to watch. And there's a lot to take advantage of um, in DFS as well. Certainly is. Okay, I'm going to pull up my website here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're looking at rickrungood.com. I'll be flipping through the tools uh, over the next 
however long this takes, 45 minutes or an hour or so. But we're going to start here with the course, Sia. And uh, TPC Deer Run is a place that we've got great data on. You know, it is played host to this event every year since 2000. Of course, there was not a 2020 edition of this event. I think we're running out of those events. I think it's only this one and the Open Championship that are left that we missed out on that we have not had back. So technically, Dylan Fratelli is our defending champion, but it's been two years since we've traveled to, to Silvis. Yeah, and this is going to be, it's not going to me, it's not going to be that much different than what we saw last week in terms of what I'm going to be paying attention to. And actually, Rick and Greg, I'd love your opinion on that because it's only Monday and I can always change my vantage point. But here, I mean, you can see it's playing just over 7,000 yards. It, it, you know, the short hitters obviously are in play. Um, Rick, I think we all agree that you want to be somewhat accurate off the tee. Ball striking is going to be really important. Putting, as usual, is going to be really important, especially maybe a, a golfer who might might not be consistent with the putter, but at least has the potential to pop with the putter. Again, just like last week, I think around the green game is, is a bit minimized. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, you're certainly going to need to make a lot of birdies. And I think what Sia was referencing there is in my model, driving accuracy was the most important stat. And I want to be very clear about what that means, Greg, because these are kind of easy fairways to hit. We've seen a lot of low scores. This The model doesn't care about any of that. The model just looks at the golfers who finish highly in driving accuracy or any stat over the last 12 years. And it compares it to the leaderboard at the John Deere classic and every event over those same years. And the one stat that most closely aligns with great success is driving accuracy. Now you could say that's because those golfers tend to be, uh, I don't know, more accurate. They tend to be uh, better with their irons. They, some of them are better putters. There's a lot of different ways that you can interpret this, but the data doesn't lie. Accurate drivers of the golf ball have had a lot of success at this course. I, I think it's kind of, um, it's really interesting to go back and look at the past champions here. Um, so I'm not sure what that reason is. I don't think it's because the rough is extremely penal. I don't think you, this is one of those places where you have to hit fairways to have success. But the players who have done well here have they can be some accurate players. But the, the parallel that I really see is they're really good putters. Um, if you if you look at you have Bryson DeChambeau, Ryan Moore. Well, Ryan Moore may be just an, more of an accurate guy. But you got Jordan Spieth, Brian Harmon, Jordan Spieth, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker, Steve Stricker, Steve Stricker. <laughs> yeah, that's not a mistake. Right. That is that we did not skip that. It is. <laughs> Three in a row for Steve Stricker. Yeah. You look at some of the, you have a Zach Johnson, a Brant Snedeker on the runner upside. Zach Johnson, a couple more times on the runner upside. These players are really good putters, um, which I, I think is a, a really interesting parallel here. And maybe the guys that are really good putters have to hit a lot of fairways too in order to contend. Maybe that's the parallel. But the guys, if you're going to put even Bryson, 2017 Bryson DeChambeau, right. kind of an accurate guy, but pretty good putter, um, not necessarily bombers. Now, why is are, are the bombers not really playing? Are they? Uh, is it does the course not really fit? I'm I'm not sure, but it seems like guys that are kind of plotters who make a lot of putts do really well here. Can Can I offer up a theory? And Please. this is not this is not entirely my theory. Actually, is this your theory, Greg? No, someone this came up either on HQ or somewhere in the last couple of days when we were talking about the match and there was a lot of elevation change. And I think you said it, didn't you? That the, when you have a lot of elevation change, you know, it, it's tough to, it's tough to calculate in general. And also, you know, when you are hitting it hard and you are hitting it far being one or two or 3% off is more yards than the shorter guys. If they're just a little bit off, like it, it, I yeah. don't know if that's a real thing or not. I definitely spoke about um, elevation change in Bryson. And I don't think Bryson, does great with elevation change mm. um, at least new Bryson he doesn't seem to and maybe that's a reason why so um, part of that you may have heard from somebody else Rick but um, but I do think that's true when you get to when you get to high altitude the percentages have an effect um, on your on your club selection so yeah it's a it's a really interesting theory mm. Anyway, let's bop on over to the cheat sheet here, Sia, because the, the first two tiers that we go through, very, very small. The $10,000 range doesn't feel like a $10,000 range. Daniel Berger is the most expensive golfer. 
11,100. Sung JM, 10,007. Brian Harmon, 10,400. And our most recent winner, Cam Davis, goes, I think he was 72. $200 last week, now 10100 after the victory. What in the world are we doing with this tier? That's so interesting. It, it reminds me of those times where uh, you'll have pricing come out early for a major, and, and somebody like Jordan Spieth wins the tournament before, but his price was sort of fixed before the tournament ended. And we always say, well, that would have been you know 800 higher or whatever it is. That that price bump for Cam Davis is like kind of silly, right? I, I, can't, I can't believe that. It's the most expensive he's ever been by far. So the Whoa. last time he, yeah, of course, but he was 9,300 at the 2020 Puerto Rico open. He finished 27th. He was 9,000 at the 2021 uh, uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am finished 14th. Those are the only two times he's been over 9,000. And to go from, yes, yeah, 7,200 to 10,100 is one of the largest jumps you'll ever see not only did he win but the field got weaker and all that good stuff well you said 27th and actually i think that's where he finishes this week mm -hmm. i am not going to be touching cam davis and honestly i, I don't know that i'm a huge fan of daniel berger and that's mostly a, a price thing and, and just I, i'm not 100 percent sure where, where his form is i haven't seen him play much in the last few weeks i do like sung jm and brian Harmon, and those are two names that i kind of never say but the thing about sung jm his approach game is back. I mean, if you if you looked at him at the beginning of the year, you know, a lot of people were on him, but the approach game just wasn't there. But now it's a few tournaments in a row where he's the old Sung JM, the Sung JM that was like living out of his van and you know didn't have a house and we like played every tournament. Like that's the that's the ball striking we're seeing now, and we have it up here thanks to RickRunGood.com. And look at that. I mean, he's positive everywhere, but it's always been the approach game that he's just crushed. And he, he went real flat there. And now it looks like it's coming back. So I like Sung JM quite a bit. And as far as Brian Harmon goes, he can kind of get shaky with the approach game sometimes. When it goes bad, it goes bad. But man, when it's good, he, he grades out really good everywhere. So I, I, those are my two favorites. Yeah, here's so Sung JM has gained strokes on approach in three straight. The last time you can find him doing that was the end of 2020. He did it for the Shriners, the CJ Cup, and the Zozo Championship. That was in October of 2020. And then Brian Harmon, Greg, you know, I, I think I'm with Sia. There's nothing against Daniel Berger. I'm just not sure there's a big enough gap between Berger to Sung JM and Brian Harmon to, to make me want to pay that price. And when you look at what Brian Harmon has done outside of, let's see the miscut at the pga championship he's done he's had nothing but top 20 finishes he's been piling up top 10s if we're playing the driving accuracy and putting game maybe that's the brian Harmon game so i i, I think in this 10k range i'm probably going to live with those middle two yeah um I, i'm probably a little less on sung jay and i'm yep. not sure why i understand what the uh what the i, I have no reason against sung jay I'm just, I, I do like Brian. Um, I, I love Brian Harmon. He's probably my top choice. And Berger, I think, is still a really valuable option. Um, to start with Brian Harmon, because you got him up there, 13th in strokes game putting for the year. He's been accurate. And I love the recent form that you just highlighted. But more specifically, tied eighth at the Charles Schwab and tied, uh, well, solo fifth at the Travelers Championship. And those are... Um, those are really nice finishes at also at, at some shorter golf courses. And so he's going back to a place where he's won. Um, he came in tied 26 in 2019, the last rendition in 2017, he was tied 10th. So he has played well here. And I think this is the best Brian Harmon has played um, in quite some time, I, maybe not his entire career, but, but definitely in, in a while. So I like where Brian Harmon's game is, but Berger, I think is just, a little bit he's he's a, just a better player now you pay for it but he's got a higher ceiling than anybody else in the field i would say maybe maybe sung jm is an exception to that but daniel berger um is amongst the most well-rounded players on the pga tour mm. the short game this year has suffered a little bit it hasn't been great um but still he just he's coming off a tied seventh at the u.s open he already has a win at a shorter golf course this year at, um, in, at Pebble Beach, um, tied third yeah. at the Byron Nelson. I, I just I think Daniel Berger is the best player in the field, and I, I don't think there's a problem in, in paying that price for him this week.
Yeah, he ranks inside the top 20 or even the top 30 and basically all the most important stats on right. tour this season. I want to go back to Brian Harmon because this is a really strange quirk I just stumbled upon here. So he has not lost strokes. Sorry, he has lost strokes once dating back to the 2023 M Open. And this is kind of a quirk because... What's the cut line to PGA Championship? Top 60 in ties? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if it was top 65, he couldn't have gained a third of a stroke and still miss the cut. But because it was the PGA Championship, he could. So he actually gained strokes in a week that he missed the cut, which means he has only missed, he has only lost strokes once and he's lost less than a half a stroke one time since the 2020 rsm wow or memorial this is this is wild yeah since, since july of 2020 it's kind of i mean there's still that um that notion that he's like a safe pick i remember earlier in the year rick we were talking about brian Harmon, mm -hmm. and like it, yeah this is great and exciting because it's brian Har <laughs> but but at the same time he's going to give you a top you know he's going to give you a, a 24th place finish here He's, he's very safe. He's not going to miss a cut, but it's kind of shifted. I feel like Brian Harmon's really ready to contend ever since the players championship. He's built some win equity. I've been feeling like he's actually going to win a PGA tour event. And this might be the one for him uh, to get the job done. So I, I, that's a, that's a fascinating little stat. Yeah, that was strange. I haven't seen anything like that in quite some time. Yeah. Okay, let's go down to the 9K range. This is also small, but I think interesting, Sia. Russell Henley, 9,900. Kevin Streelman, Kevin Na. Alex Noren, Aaron Wise. And then we rounded out with Siwoo Kim and Seamus Power. <laughs> $9,000 for Seamus. That's good stuff right there. What do you see here? Uh, well, I see me locking him in last week when he qualified and or when he got into the tournament and was 7,500. Yeah. Here is it's a little different story. I'll get to him in a second. There's one guy I really like, and it's Kevin Streelman. I mean, yeah. I uh, in this 9K range, he's he's easily my favorite. I, I've done a few teams, as you guys know, I, I would, and a couple of them I started with Kevin Streelman and really had no issue with it. The, the one watch out for him is he did miss the cut at the Travelers, but that really was just one bad round. I think his second round, he lost on approach, he lost with the putter. Super uncharacteristic of Kevin Streelman, and when we're looking at it now, if you look at everything outside of the Travelers, I mean, it's just so impressive all around. The putter has really made a comeback. The approach game is there. Off the tee game is there. There's nothing bad to say about Kevin Stroop. Yeah, so he missed the cut by a shot at the Travelers, which I don't always think is the biggest the biggest of deals. We've seen what can happen if you make the cut on the number. But yeah, the, the putting, the improved putting is really, it, it, to me, is the stabilizing force here, Sia. You know, he's gained strokes, not a ton, but he has gained strokes in five of his last six. If you start scrolling through his results, I mean, he's historically a pretty poor putter. You probably can't find another six tournament stretch in which he's gained putting in five of them. So if that's the stabilizing force and he he can kind of tap into the ball striking. This is the type of field that Kevin Sherman should really be able to contend in. Yeah, I totally agree. There, there's a couple of guys outside of Strillman that I'm kind of just still sort of considering at this point. They're guys that I always kind of play, but I'm a little worried about. Aaron Wise is one of them. Um, great ball striker who can't putt. We're, we're going to talk about a few of those guys as we go down the list. I, I like Aaron Wise. The, the putter just kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, I think the upside is there, though, for him. And the other guy I'll mention as you pull up Aaron Wise is the, who we talked about, Seamus mm -hmm. Power. I mean, it, Power, he's starting to get into a price where I'm just a little bit worried about it. Um, I... I off the tee, he's not really great. Um, you know, from an accuracy standpoint, he's not really great. And I know at the start of the show, we, we talked about that. Everything else just grades out really well. So, and obviously he can pop with the putter. So those are the three I like, but I got to say Kevin Streelman is by far my favorite. The other thing about Seamus, while he's, yeah, four, four top 20 finishes in a row, two of them are top tens. He's gained strokes in six consecutive on approach. And the other thing is I, I we're now getting to the time of year, Greg, where your FedEx cup points matter. I know the tour tries to trick us in that every shot counts all season long from Safeway to the tour championship. But this is really when guys start eyeing it up. He's 140th in the FedEx cup standings for a guy who does not have full PGA tour status. You know, he is licking his chops in this field to go out and, and, notch another top 10, maybe better than that and see how deep he can, how deep he can go into the playoffs. 
Right. Your, your opportunities are limited from here on in. I mean, you have this, you have, you just consider some smaller field events where you know you're going to get in and you know you're going to have an opportunity to start and probably have a likelihood to, to contend. Uh, you're looking at the 3M, you're looking at the Wyndham after this. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Other than that, you have an open championship, you have a, um, you have a world golf championship, um, and the Olympics, which isn't going to get you any points. So that's a week off, a built-in week off. Yeah. He has like three shots left, <laughs> right? That's really it. So it's time. So while yes, um, every shot does count throughout the entirety of the year, this is where you, you kind of start looking at the leaderboard saying, all right, I got to get going. I got to get something done here. Otherwise I'm, I'm, going to be playing in the corn Ferry tour finals and nobody wants to do that um it it, nobody from the pga tour wants to do that because it means you basically lost your card so that's uh that's not a place you want to be but that being said um aaron wise who you mentioned sia i really like um and, and i i think aaron wise can putt i just think his priorities have shifted in his in his career because he, it used to be a flip. If you look at in 2018, well, I believe that's when he won. He was 51st on tour and strokes gain putting 109th strokes gain approach the green. Then in 2019, they both went sour because he started, I, I actually heard him in an interview talk about this. He started working on his iron play to try to fix it. And putting, which was something he was very good at in college, uh, very good at his first year on the PGA Tour, all of a sudden that falls to 132nd. And so for 19 and 20, he there's kind of this shift going on where his approach game starts to get better, his putting starts to suffer. And this year, you really saw the results for the first time with where he got his driver and his um, uh, approach game in check. And the putting is the one thing lagging behind. At some point, that's going to catch up because he's aware of it. Uh, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened this week. But but all that being said, um, I still I, I like the form that we've seen from him. Travelers didn't go very well, but you look all the way back to Wells Fargo, where he notched a top ten, a, a tied ninth finish, made the cut at the Byron Nelson, uh, only able to squeak out a tied fifty fifth, and then seventeenth at the PGA, ninth at the Memorial, um, and another made cut, although not a great week at the Travelers. So I I think Aaron Wise is starting to feel a little bit better. And I wouldn't be surprised if the putting came around a little bit as well. I'm even willing to say his 66th at the Travelers, uh, I think it's going to look a lot worse. So he, you know, he loses over five strokes putting, but he was basically a zero. He was a small negative going into Sunday's round. He lost 4.6, mm-hmm. which is like, hey, you know what? It happens. Yeah. Uh, he's not a great putter, but he's seen, uh, you know, he, he's, he's actually putted better recently. He's only lost strokes putting twice in his last three ish starts, something like that. Right. So, so it, it's there. It, it's it's there. there somewhere inside. Um, and one other guy. Go, oh, go, no, go ahead. See ya. No, no, I was, I was going to make a note on, on Seamus power, just that, you know, when we're looking at upward trajectory, which I like to look at, it's four top twenties in his last four tournaments, including two top tens. And he's made the cut here three out of three times. So anyway, uh, go on, Greg. Um, so another guy that I think, I think a lot of people are going to shift away from, because he's been in the limelight past couple of weeks that it's Russell Henley. Um, And so Russell Henley kind of, you look at this trend, he's really interesting to me um, because he, he does have some nice finishes, including last time he was second in 2019 tied 27th in 2014 um, to name, uh, to name a few, those may be his only two starts, but, but anyway, um, he has put himself in position at both the U S open and the travelers where he had a a real chance to win and Sunday didn't go very well for him. So you're at this point now where I'm three rounds, I'm getting the job done for three of the four rounds. What am I going to do in the fourth round? And that can take a player in one of two directions. It can take him where, okay, I've lost my confidence. What I'm doing doesn't work and I need to kind of revisit something or it can say, all right, I'm really close. I need to, Bubba Watson, I need to give myself another <laughs> opportunity to throw up on myself again. And, and it can be really inspiring. So I, I look at Russell Henley in this field as one of the um, upper end talents with uh, an, an elite approach game. And I think he could give it, uh, I think he could give it a really good run this week. I agree with you. Russell Henley is 
a talent in a in a facet that is incredibly important. I'm showing right. just his round fours right now. Are you at all concerned that in his last four, four in a row, his last four round fours, he's lost at least two strokes to the field? Yeah, yeah, that's the Sunday scaries. But here's yeah. about that. That's that's a that's a Sunday problem. That's not a problem with his game. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a problem in his head. What What is Russell Henley going to do to get past the Sunday scaries? And he can figure that. That's something you can figure out. You just, you need to keep putting yourself in position. So if I'm, if I'm Russell Henley, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to continue to keep on doing what I'm doing. My game works. Everything I'm doing works right now. My game is really strong. And the next level for me is to put it together on Sunday. No, it's not that everything's broke. Nothing's broken here. I just need to do what I'm, I need to do what I'm doing for four days instead of for three days. And there's going to be a day where he proves to himself that he can do that. But this is the kind of thing I see from winners. There's, there's one level that needs to be broke. One barrier that needs to be broken. It happens to be the hardest one, but Russell Henley's right there knocking on the door. I'm, I'm giving him another chance to play that. Yeah, if you look at just the 2021, the the season stats for everybody in the field, Russell Henley, number one in approach, number three in tee to green play. So it, it's it's not a skill set problem. Russell Henley, plenty of skills, and he keeps yeah. giving himself an opportunity uh, to knock on the door. Eventually, he will break through. See ya. Anybody else in this 9K range that we should talk about you know alex noren played well last week and he's been playing well for a while now is that someone that you might consider i continue if you remember last week i think i said about alex noren that he was like the poor man's cam smith because it just seems like smoke and mirrors he's he's picking it up with the short game the putter around the green but the you know the ball striking just really isn't good so good for him i mean he's killing it but i don't think i could go there with alex noren i think the one that really kind of perplexes me the most right now is Kevin Na. Kevin Na is, as of right now, not going to be in my player pool. I haven't seen him a lot lately. He does seem like a pretty good course fit here, and he is Kevin Na. So he is a guy that you would think would be good here among this field. Um, If you guys have an opinion on Kevin Na, please uh, indulge me. My opinion on Kevin Na is that he is the most difficult golfer on tour to handicap. He wins a lot for, like, his caliber, like, you know, whatever his odds normally are, right? 50, 60, 80, 100 to one. I don't know what he is this week. He's probably better than that in this field, but he wins a lot. I think he's won each of the last four seasons or four years. And it comes out of nowhere. And I have no idea when it's coming, Greg. I have no idea when it's going. I have no idea when he's going to lose a contact. I have no idea. When, like, there's just, there's just a million things going on. And I've never, ever been correct on Kevin. Now. Yeah, you, you never feel comfortable. You never feel comfortable with uh, uh, playing Kevin Knott because it could be anywhere from a win to a miscut. There's some value in that, no question about it. But, Rick, the other thing is where Kevin Knott is really good is his short game. So he's he's first on tour this year, strokes gain around the green. How yeah. valuable is that? I mean, it's always valuable. But is that is that the thing that's going to propel you to consistency no you can't it, it's hard to lean on the other thing is the perception is kevin is a great putter because he is a great putter when he wins so right. but he he's, he's not, not. <laughs> all the time which who is but he's 136 on tour and strokes game putting so what where are you where are you leaning i love kevin Na's short game this week i don't know it feels um i i do think there's value and there's a because he does have a lot of win equity and this feels like a Kevin Na type of place, but I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. I mean, after seeing the ball striking that we just flashed on the screen, that's, that's pretty bad. I mean, I can't, I can't co-sign there. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I even brought it up actually. Look, it's, a, it's a dice roll. It's just, it's hard to do that in the, in the nine K range. Mm-hmm. He's a maniac. I love the guy, but I, he will, he never gets any investment from me. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We've got to go down to the $8,000 range. We've got to find value in this field in the sevens and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up 
to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky. As, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And we're back. The $8,000 range, Sia, it starts with Patton Kazire, Maverick McNeely. It's actually fairly small. You would expect it to get bigger here. Troy Merritt, Lucas Glover. I won't say everybody, but it ends with Doug Gibb and, and Johnny Vegas. There's about a dozen or so golfers in this range. Does anybody have your attention? Yeah, a few guys that can flat out score. And, and I think you're going to see some of that this week. It's the top two, uh, Patton Kazire and Maverick McNeely. Um, Kazire is interesting. I mean, I, he can get really hot on approach, really hot with the putter. It's interesting, though, because last week he lost four strokes off the tee and still managed to finish 25th. He's the type of guy, just like Maverick McNeely, who... Any given day can put up a ton of DraftKings points, especially on a course like this. So, again, you know, they're both very volatile. I wouldn't call them safe picks, but they're also the type of guys that could have a couple really red hot days and actually win you a GPP. So uh, I like I like both of those guys quite a bit towards the top. Yeah, Kazire flew up the leaderboard on Sunday. I'm showing his round by round stuff right now. Gained over five and a half strokes on Sunday alone, which is, believe it or not, not all that unusual for Patton Kazire. He's a, certainly a popper. Where you know a couple of weeks ago to Charles Schwab, he gains four in a single round, four in a single round, seven in a single round. You go back a little bit further, six in a single. I mean, he kind of does this often. He has this ability. It's just a matter of putting all four rounds together. Uh, Greg, when you start to assess the $8,000 range. Where do you go? So let me add one thing on Pat and Kazire. Yeah. Uh, he seems to have a tendency of backing up good performances with good performances again, which I really like. So the Houston Open earlier this year um, in the wraparound, he comes in tied 11th. Well, even back up once, tied 24th at the Shriners, then tied 11th at the Houston Open, then tied 10th at the RSM. Yeah. Uh, then then you go to Hawaii at the turn of the calendar. Um uh, that's actually not the example I was thinking of. You got to you got to fast forward down to May where you get to the AT&T Byron Nelson. He comes in tied third and then he does it again the very next week at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So is this week going to lead to another really good week? I, I really think there's a strong possibility of that I like Patton Kazire's fingerprint. Um, it, he has a couple of nice finishes here as well. Tied 30th and 18, tied 25th in 2017 but he's a he's a good approach player and a good putter and those are the two things that you need here 15th on tour strokes game putting for the year so i do like pat and kazire um but the other player 
Unless anybody has something to add on. I was uh, just going to say, you, you mentioned the approach plus putting combination. That's the combination that is like perfect for showdown. It's perfect for like this popping ability because yes, you nailed it. Like when you, when you start throwing darts and, or start rolling the putts in it, you can go super red hot. And that's yeah. Yeah, those things are there. That's the key in a in a quote unquote birdie fest. Yeah, You're, I always think if you lean that way in an event like this, in an event like last week at Rocket Mortgage, the American Express, there are a couple of events on the PGA Tour that are known for a ton of birdies, mm-hmm. approach and putting. It always comes down to approach and putting, whether it's what you do for the year or what you do for the week. Those are two strong areas. So, yeah. Sorry, not to dive too deep into this, but I know we talk about strokes gained a lot. And Kyle and I were talking about this at some point. You know, strokes gained off the tee is great if you're playing 10,000 holes. If you, you know, you're getting small gains every single time you tee off, it's very, very important. But in, in smaller, you know, last nine holes, last 18 holes, or even over 72, you can get big gains with approach and you can get big gains with the putter. That, that, that's where you start to rip off some of these big rounds. Right. And that's where you can go really low. And yeah. that's what you need to do this week. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I think you guys are spot on with that. Um, but next in the 7K, I, I kind of feel like, 8K. I'm sorry, in the 8K. Still in the 8K. <laughs> we're not ready for 7K um, yet. <laughs> we're not ready. I'm not jumping ahead either. I just said the wrong thing. But I kind of feel like this guy is getting gypped on the price bump. Like Cam Davis gets this huge huge price bump and Troy Merritt gets a price bump but mm-hmm. I mean he he's in the he's in the 8k range and I kind of like what Troy Merritt has been doing so far this season uh, uh, we know he, he had a an opportunity to win last week at the rocket mortgage he didn't he comes in tied second um I I guess according to Rick it could have been a solo second but he <laughs> but he also a solo second <laughs> <laughs> but uh but also tied 8th at the Valspar he was tied 7th at the yeah. uh, Byron Nelson solo 7th at the Charles Schwab he's had a couple of uh, tied 36 at the Travelers this guy's been playing some really good golf and the times where he's kind of suffered like the Memorial and the US Open those are bigger fields bigger golf courses things that are not suited very well for a Troy Merritt. He's not a long hitter, but you mentioned Rick, how important driving accuracy is here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I don't live and die by the model, but when the model says something, it, it can speak sometimes. And he was first in fairways hit last week. He had, he only missed nine fairways for the whole week. He hit 12 of 14 fairways on Sunday. So I think Troy Merritt's worth a, another look for a second week in a row of, of contention. I do live and die by the model, so <laughs> don't worry about that. I'll do enough for the both of us. You know, I think if you would have told me Troy Merritt has had four top eight finishes in his last eight starts, Sia, I would have been like, no, no, he didn't. Like, that's that's impossible. I, I never would have guessed that. So the results are there despite whatever you want to say about the advanced metrics. He's leaning on the short game too much. The putter's been hot. Whatever you want to say about it, the guy has four top eight finishes in his last eight starts. Now, I don't know... I think I described it, Sia, as like he he got the worst of it where he had to play in an emotional playoff and he didn't even get the win. So I don't know how he mm-hmm. like rebounds this week or if it matters, but I'm, I'm generally interested in Troy Merritt, I think. Yeah, I guess my problem here is that it, it, he's always he, he's always gaining heavy with the putter. And what I'd like to see is a little bit more ball striking sprinkled in. That, that doesn't mean that you, can, you can't have a few bad ball striking tournaments but I, there's too many here i mean let's like half of like let's let's just go back his last eight i mean half of them he's losing ball striking and kind of significantly in most of them so i i think that's where my hang up is it's the same problem i have with alex norn who did just fine last week probably he certainly had a chance to win so i mean these things obviously you can overcome a, a, a relatively bad ball striking day but guys like alex norn guys like cam smith i they're really hard to figure out and so when it comes to troy merritt i think i'd just rather go a different direction but listen i have no this guy knows how to win he's 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 been closing yeah he has a one but he's been closing on Sundays to an extent that we would never think Troy Merritt would be able to close so um I'm all for it if you want to play him he's not going to be in my pool though if you are going in a different direction than Troy Merritt where are you going well if we go down the list here uh, I mean Lebiota's right there and and, am I I, would say that I mean, am I going to just suddenly go off of Hank Lebiota? I mean, there's an argument that, well, this is Hank Lebiota, so at some point he's just going to fall back down a little bit. And, you know, he's, 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 he keeps getting a price bump. With that said, 
he's been really, really good. I mean, let, let's just look at it. The ball striking is there. The putting is unbelievable. But the, the good news for him, he's not just relying on the putter. He's relying on the putter with the ball striking, predominantly that approach game. So I like him quite a bit. He this, should have been in that playoff. Yeah, he should have been. Yeah, so he screwed up 17. Did he I mean, make was, bogey on 17 or just par? Either par. way, whatever he did, you, you couldn't do it. Do you Couldn't guys do, do you feel like um, uh, we talked about him last week and we're very heavy on him, right? Saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is not going to wear. I, I'm starting to feel like this is real. The only question is, is he playing? Is it too much? Like, when do you guys get tired at some point? Is that going to be this week for him? I, I'd be open to giving him another chance. I, I love going with guys who are hot. So I, I agree with you, Sia. He's hot right now. I said last week, it, let's give him one more go around. I said, this has got to end soon, but I think this mm-hmm. is a good spot for him. Let's give him one more go around. And now I'm here this week like, let's give him one more go around. Let's yeah. See, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? I just, yeah, the, there's, there's, there's not a lot of arguments against it other than this can't keep happening. Owner, ownership? How about I mean, ownership? I, I mean, last week he was 9%. He was yeah. 9%. He was 7,200. This week he's 8,400. Uh, is there going to be yeah. a huge rush? Yeah. No, like- no. So, all right, one other thing. I was talking about this with Henley. When guys get really close to the lead, it can bring you one of two ways. They peek out and say, ah, oh, that was my chance. And it's not, nobody's saying this to themselves, but what you see is that was my chance and that was my peak. And mm-hmm. now I, there's an exhale and things go down and I normal out again. Um, other guys get really hungry and they say, okay, I'm really close here. I need to do this. And all of a sudden I'm going to win. I need to keep, I, I need to give this one more go. I'm right there. I'm ready to win. And so what's driving uh, what what's driving him? I I don't know yet, but I um, I really like what I saw last week, and I'm glad I I played him everywhere. I'm I'm really happy about that. I got to get an updated headshot with uh, the visor. Yeah, and the hair. <laughs> what is this hat he's wearing? That's outrageous. <laughs> who who is that? Oh, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look anything. Doesn't look anything like him. Um, okay, Sia. So the bottom of this range, you know, I'm. I'd consider Lucas Glover. He's got two top 25s. One's a top 10 in his last two trips here. He hasn't been as good as he was to start the season. Um, Sebastian Munoz is 8,100. I can't believe he continues to miss this many cuts. I just, I'm not in love with the under Hank Lebiota $8,000 range. The only guy that I would say who actually might be kind of popular because I think his price is, is a little low is Jonathan Vegas. Uh, his ball striking has been really, really good. He's just another guy, and I knew we would talk about these guys. Um, we'll talk about another one in a second when I when I mentioned Kyle Stanley. But guys that are great ball strikers but just can't putt. And, and Jonathan Vegas has had enough bad putting days or bad putting tournaments where I'm just a little hesitant with him. But look at the ball striking. I mean, there's not much to argue with in that department. So at 8,000, talk about a value. I mean, if you're looking for guys who are maybe volatile but can really pop, like your Patton Kazires, like your Matt McNeely's, go ahead and throw Jonathan Vegas right in there because we, he, he at least has shown the ability to putt. It's not, it's not usually good, but the ability is there. So at 8,000, there's some value there. He was basically a zero putter at Palmetto, finished second. He gained one and a half strokes putting, over four rounds at the Byron Nelson, that was worth a top 10. So it really is. He goes as far as the flat stick allows him to go is essentially because the rest of his game is going to be pretty sharp. Let's jump on down to the seven K range. Um, Kyle Stanley is 7,900. C is going to talk about him in just a second. He is 7,900 with Charles Howell the third. We've got uh, the defending champion, technically Dylan Fratelli, who is not in very good form. We have Kramer Hickok, Pat Perez, and not the, not one, not two, but three-time champion Steve Stricker in this range. Greg, what do you see? Uh, you had me at Kyle Stanley. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'll I'll leave Kyle Stanley, who of course is on my list. I, I love Kyle Stanley. I'll leave him for Sia. Um, I'll talk a little bit about Steve Stricker. Yeah, let's do that. What's not? why would you not is it because he's a Ryder cup captain um is it because he doesn't hit it very far is it because of his age why would why would you not play captain steve stricker i don't understand i tried to 
find a reason to not play him because I was like, okay, three time, you know, back to back to back winner. People might be interested in him at 7,700. He's old, whatever. I, I tried to find reasons. Then you start looking at, you know, he doesn't play often on the PGA tour, but you look at the last couple of times that he has, and he, he more than holds his own. He, he made the cut at the PGA championship finished 44th. He finished 13th at the Honda classic. He's made five of his last six cuts, which included a fourth place finish in Phoenix earlier this year. Then if you even want to go to the champion side, Greg, which I know is a completely different world, completely different game. He dominates. He's played like yeah. a, he's played like eleven <laughs> times, ten top tens or something. He just won their play, the senior players. Like he absolutely dominates. So his game is in good form. This is a place he's had great success. He plays well when he's on the P. I I couldn't find it. I was trying. I was trying to hate Steve Stricker this week. Yeah, I I'm a definitely he's definitely a go for me. Um, the thing is about the Champions Tour, you, there's not much you can take from it other than confidence. And this is simply a sign that he's feeling really good about his game. And that the line between the champions tour and the PGA tour is a different line than corn Ferry to PGA tour. Oh yeah. Big, time. right. It's a big, it's a big time difference. But yes. for a guy like Steve Stricker, when he's confident going to a place that he loves, it, it's a good sign. It's a good recipe. And his game is cl- very clearly good. He won on a big golf course too. Firestone's, not a it's it's not a pitch and putt by any means it's not like he's playing somewhere where you can hit it anywhere you want and it's it no i mean you got to play you got to play some really good golf out there and he clearly did so um i think a a a sharp steve stricker a a Ryder cup captain maybe getting himself into contention for a uh, captain's pick this year. Oh, I'm only kidding. I'm kidding. In the, in the, <laughs> I'm kidding. Could you imagine if all of all the great names he's going to have to snub on this team if he was just like, you know what? I'm picking myself. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the most other, unassuming guy, too. Like the most yeah, unassuming captain. Uh, and with the final captain's pick, Steve Stricker. Yeah. Uh, remember when Tiger yeah, did that? I said, oh, Jesus. Uh, okay. The other <laughs> thing is in the modern game, outside of Tiger, has it, who else has won? three in a row anybody i can't think of it off the top uh, of my head. Man. i'm sure tiger's done it multiple times but i'm talking about the modern game not like burger didn't he had a chance right yeah. at um because he won back to back matt henry had well, a chance he oh, didn't. at api brooks yeah. i mean i guess brooks has had a chance at a couple of majors but yeah it came close at pebble man yeah. he really uh i think he came in second at pebble it was he was so close um, three in a row is it awful. doesn't happen very often paul goidos just to give you an idea of what this guy did at this golf course paul <sighs> goidos shot 59 in the first round yeah and had a one shot lead yeah and then be, ended up beating him you go shoot 59 at a pga tour event you you end up with a one shot lead I'm pretty sure that day I thought I read this, uh, at least maybe in the shot link era was the like lowest scoring average ever like that day at John Deere because there was a 59. Not surprising. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, there's the Steve Stricker love. Okay. Uh, see, uh, there's a lot of names in the 7K range. This is finally like our first huge range here. I actually like Kramer Hickok quite a bit. You know, the impressive, yeah, I was impressed that he even made the cut after an eight hole playoff and falling to Harris English at the Travelers. He made the cut. He finished 14th at the Charles Schwab. So this is a decent stretch of golf for him. He's very accurate with the driver. He might be building some confidence. So I, I like him. Uh, who else here might move the needle for you? Yeah, it's mostly at the at the top. And these are two guys I was on last week um, that we talked about on the first cut last Monday. It's Kyle Stanley and Bo Hostler. The, the problem with Kyle Stanley is, is I'm trying to, and this is going to be so sort of, you know, I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm trying to fade guys who are just really bad with the putter. I'm trying to get guys who can spike with the putter or who are very consistent with the putter. And I went back and looked. If you go back to January of 2020, He's literally lost strokes putting in 25 of his last 30 tournaments. And a lot of these are like significant losses. And for the record, the five that he actually gained in putting, there was only two of them where it was like somewhat significant gain. The other three were like 0.23 or something like that. That's a really big problem. So this is one of those where, you know, you can lean on the ball striking like Jonathan Vegas and just hope that instead of him being like a a minus four putter, that maybe he's like a minus one and a half putter. 
it, it would also be different. See, you're absolutely right. Everything you said, absolutely correct. It would also be a different story if the two or three weeks that he gained three or four strokes, he won. Like if he mm -hmm. had two or three wins, we'd be like, okay, it's worth it because you might steal a win here. He gains four strokes putting at Farmers, misses the cut. He gains three at Genesis this year, finishes 32nd, gains nearly four and a half at Valspar, finishes 39th. If like, what's the ceiling? Even? Well, it's just he can't tap into any of this. So it's the anomaly of anomalies because those that you just pointed out were the only tournaments or virtually the only tournaments where he actually lost ball striking. Right. So it's just one of those things that it just didn't match up. But okay, what if it matches up? I'm not expecting it to match up, by the way. But my whole point is if he's a zero putter or a minus one putter, he's he could easily finish in the top 20 the way he's striking the ball. Do I really want to lean on that? No, probably more like showdown with Jonathan Vegas rather than than four days. But I thought it was worth pointing out for a couple reasons. One is because I do think he has some potential. And the other thing is, you know, it's just kind of crazy that a guy like Kyle Stanley, who we all like, just simply cannot putt. It's it's kind of strange. But I'll, I'll say this about Bo Hostler. Okay, yeah. so last week we talked about him. We talked about, or I, I talked about that sort of upward trajectory. What, what I'm seeing, it was two tournaments in a row last week where, you know, he had finished top 25, was striking the ball well, was putting well like he normally does. And now we can add a third tournament to that. Another yeah. top 25 finish, another where the ball striking was, was pretty good. The putter was good enough. And the around the green game kind of saved him a little bit. But this is three tournaments in a row now where he's top 25, including a 10th place finish. So I think at this course, I think Bo Hossler could really succeed. I don't think he's had another three tournament stretch. He's had a couple close ones where he's got three top 25s in a row. I'm scrolling here. Some of them are close. I mean, we semantics that I chose top 25, but this is a very good stretch of golf for Bo Hossler. So yeah. Coming around. Uh, I used to live down the street from him, but I don't anymore. Or he, I moved and he probably moved too. So now we don't. Bye, Bo. Uh, yeah. Greg, what else do you see? Oh, Eric EVR withdrew. So don't play him. He's 7,500. That's an easy one. Anybody else you see in this range? Yeah. How about um, another? This is another one of my guys here. Um, Richie Wierenski. I, I, I think he could come up with another really solid week. So he's played here three times, um, tied 47th in 2019. Not great. Um, tied 23rd in 18, tied 25th in 17. So he has played pretty well here, and he's coming off a of tied 25th last week. So one thing when you get down into these ranges, I like guys that are confident. And the other thing I like about him is he's playing his third week in a row. So he didn't play U.S. Open. And he's played at the Travelers where he shot 71-68 and missed the cut. Okay, that's one of those things where you shoot, you miss the cut by one. Not necessarily a problem. And then he shot three, uh, well, 68-68, 69-72 at the Rocket Mortgage. Um, so again, I think Richie is at a point now where he's building towards something. And he's heading to a place where he's had some mild success. Um, and, and I think he's ready I, I think this is one of those if i dare release uh, this is a, a richie wierenski kind of tournament and if you're paying attention greg is the richie whisperer so yeah i think i'm what one for one on, take, on richie yes <laughs> take take heed when uh greg endorses a, a richie wierenski yeah i don't i don't throw it out there um right I, I only throw it out i'm very careful with these because you know it can get ruined and want trust is broken very quickly yes. <laughs> so you start throwing that out there if, if he misses the cut this week i am probably lose the wierenski whisperer uh moniker yeah, that's why we have to take you seriously when you do it, though. Um, see, ya, we got we got to do this before we go down to the the 7K range because there's a guy at seven thousand dollars even. His mm -hmm. name is Satoshi Kadaira, and he looked great for about what do we think twenty seven holes last week? I think he made the turn on Friday at six under, which gave him three shots cushion to make the cut. Uh, not enough cushion, my friend. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean. You know, on 18, double bogey, and that that was all she wrote. I mean, he could have parred that and made the cut. So it was that was super, super disappointing. The good news, though, is I don't really – okay, so first of all, we did talk about Kadira before this show, and props to you, Rick, because we've been on Kadira, but you said last week, you know, I don't know that this is the course for him. And, of course, I didn't listen because I'm an idiot. 
And so I played him and I missed out on a lot of six for sixes because of uh, Sadoshi Kadaira. But the point is, this is a better suited course. Yes. And, and also, you know, he he is a good ball striker, at least in the last you know handful of tournaments he has been. And he's been really good with the putter. So I don't see a reason in this field and on, on this track not to go back to him. I agree. He is uh, incredibly accurate with the driver. He has not been a good putter. He has been an amazing putter last 24 rounds. I think only Troy Merritt has been better with the flat stick. He has literally unlocked something. I don't know what it is because for his entire career, he's been one of the worst putters on the PGA tour. And in the last five starts, he has gained six and a half, four, five and a half, five point three, two point four. He's been unbelievable with the flat stick and just a little bit of gains in other places are certainly going to go a long way. So yeah, I'm, I'm back in baby. Let's go. I'm ready to get hurt <laughs> again. Satoshi Kadaira. Let's go down to the 6K range. See, or uh, excuse me, Greg, why don't you kick us off here? This is uh, this is where I start to get a little bit worried. You know, you've got Benny on, you've got Adam Shank, you have Harry Higgs. You just have a lot of red on the cheat sheet here, right? There's not a lot to really hang your cap on, but where where would you place your hat? So there's a couple of players I've been watching. Um, I want to throw one other name out there, by the way, real quick. Um, and, and he's seven flat, so I feel like this can fit. That's fair. Uh, maybe. I'm just going to drop this in. We don't have to talk about it, but Jim. Can I Her- guess? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you you, you just wrong. said Jim Herman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Guess. I, I thought you like? were going to say Ryan Armour. Go on. Sorry. So the Jim Herman thing is the lot. He's got back to back top 26 finishes yeah. and you don't see that very often. And there's a little win equity there. And this might be kind of place where uh, a guy is 44th on tour and driving accuracy um and he's he seems to win when he plays well so i don't know maybe jim herman pops in there but anyway i digress let's go to the 6k range and i'm going to go right down to the middle of the 6k range because i mean there are some names up top you could mention but your guess is as good as mine so i'm going to go down to jj spawn at 6600 okay and now jj spawn has done uh he's he's kind of popped up at a couple of interesting times um and i don't know i just feel again tied 32nd last week tied 47th at the travelers missed the cut at the u.s open and the palmetto um but back in may he was tied 18th at the wells fargo he made the cut at the byron nelson i i kind of feel there's some mid-range performances going on here and um, and he did shoot really two t- two nice um, really nice rounds last week. So again, um, it's not great. There's not a lot to talk about. But on one other key element, Rick, that you're gonna yes. love, and uh, driving accuracy, he's 14th on the PGA Tour. I do love that, which means in this field he's probably like third. <laughs> right. So you it, married married to the model here. You got a guy who's made his last two cuts. It got it got better. Uh, it got better after Travelers at Rocket Mortgage, and you're heading to a place where driving accuracy apparently is key. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. I've also tried. I also tried to see. I went kind of in a similar direction. I said Adam Long because he's got two top twenty fives, but he's also missed two cuts since. So in his last four, this is where I, this is how you have to frame it. In half of his last four starts, <laughs> he has top 25 finishes. Come on. And you say, he's, oh, he's one of the most accurate drivers of the golf ball. He's a PGA Tour winner. I mean, this is, it's an ugly range, Sia. Adam Long is the, the lowest I'm willing to go. JJ Spawn will certainly get a, a little extra look from me. Uh, Roger Sloan has made, I think, four out of his last five cuts, and he has a top 10 the last time he played here. I mean, I'm... Uh, I, do you see anything different? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, JJ Spawn was one of my three guys that I was going to mention. So I actually, I actually love him. I think that's a great, a great call. A couple of the, first of all, I was going to be on Sloan too. I was sort of mad at myself that I wasn't on him last week, even though he rated out pretty well in my model and, you know, it ended up sort of biting me, but that's another guy where it's really smoke and mirrors. He's been really bad on approach lately. I, I don't really know how he's doing it other than he, he actually has been really good with the short game, but that's sort of a watch out on Sloan. I do think he has potential again, it's the six K range. So why not? But uh, I, I moved off of him quickly uh, when this week started Adam Schenk, 
Uh, I believe yeah. he's 6,900. So first of all, he has really good history here uh, with a with a sixth place finish. I believe it was in 2019. I think it was a miscut the year before that. Uh, he was one of my guys last week, if you recall. He was 6,500 last week. He hasn't gotten much of a price bump. It's not like he dominated last week or anything. I mean, he finished 41st. But I think Adam Shank, he, he just rates out really well for me. I think the short game is bad for him, but the ball striking is good. So you are going to have to rely on you know some pop with the putter, which he has shown he can do before. The other guy I'll mention is um, another guy who's a really bad putter, but the ball striking is there. And he's a guy on, on shorter tracks that I, I used to like to take. And it's Cam Percy. Uh, I'm just, again, it's a 6K range. It's going to be tough sledding. Cam Percy, I think, is a guy with potential on this particular track. And finally, who would I be if I didn't mention Chris Baker, who I think has made now three cuts in a row? It's the Sia Najad bump that Chris Baker is enjoying. So friend of the show, Chris Baker. Uh, that's that's the other 6K guy I would I would throw a dart at. Three cuts in a row and four of his last five for Mr. Baker. I love seeing his name up there. You're the first person I think of, Sia. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, gentlemen. Well, as we mentioned, the match preview is already in your feeds. Uh, we have a mega preview pod for Tuesday. And, of course, the round-by-round round recaps every day after each round. Uh, I'm vamping because I have to get the outro ready. Okay, I, I'm doing producer Jacob's job. There you producer go, Jacob. Pretty- not here, not behind the glass. Well-deserved uh, day off. Thank you, Producer Jacob. That right there, Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter, at Sia Najad. That is Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. You can find me, at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.